Lieutenant Kayshawn, we're your away team reporting for duty. It is a pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to, uh, oh, geez, Darmok and Jalad on the ocean, uh... Working with you? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Apologies, my Federation standard is still shaky. It's no problem, sir. Or should I say, it's no beast at Tanagra. Oh. <laughs> More like yeah. suck up at Tanagra. <laughs> Rishi Hervey and Josh Molina when they introduce the West Wing. Notch when he introduces his crew. <laughs> uh, okay, well, maybe the context clues aren't clear enough. Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes, everybody. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me are... Bill Woiwad. And Anirudh when he was Rudy. <laughs> all right welcome to strange new take and welcome to this strange new world indeed very strange in, in terms of metaphors and allegories strange new world of star trek um we have jumped into new brand new um episodes of lower deck season two we've finished one and today we'll be covering the second one um Okay, Sean, his eyes open. And uh, make sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, also tell your friends about the pod so they can give us a, a listen. And um, if you're using Apple Podcasts, make sure to take a minute to give us a, a five-star rating. <clears throat> and just like every episode of this podcast, we tend to spoil a lot of stuff. If you haven't watched Keishan, his eyes open, you should probably do that before we, we spoil it for you. Also, we tend to spoil other parts of Star Trek in general, so just be aware that that's what you're in for soon. All right, we always start our episodes with our strange new takes. And before we get there, I just want to tell you that Keishan, his eyes open is again the second episode of the second season of Lower Decks. It first aired on 19th August 2021, just three days ago. And it's written by Chris Kula. It's directed by Kim Arndt. And the in-universe date is 2381. All right, crew, who's got some strange new takes for me? Okay, okay, I've got one. Um, on the Great British Bake Off, the first two parts of the competition don't matter at all. Like, you could do terribly on the signature bake and terribly on the technical, and then if your uh, showstopper is really good, that's all you need. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, okay. <laughs> Um, so for this episode, um, I just, like, I liked it a lot. I thought there were a lot of great, uh, one-liners, like kind of lower decks, um, top form for sure when it came to the one-liners, but I thought this was actually in terms of the plot, something that could have been like a 90s Star Trek episode. I mean, if you take out the memes and the self-referential jokes, I could totally picture it being like a TNG episode. Yeah, I think I, I was like, I saw elements of like a TOS era plot and elements of like a 90s Trek plot in here. Well, my strange new take, you know, sometimes I go and do the dad take. Sometimes I do some funny stuff, sometimes space. Today's history. Let's do history. 
And I want to tell you about a biography of Jimmy Carter called His Very Best, which I highly recommend you read. It's Jimmy Carter's a really complex guy. He um, did some things that are that he's he's not proud of today in his early political career and his early life. And at the same time, he's always had this struggle between being a very religious Southern man, but also being someone who is a liberal, a Democrat, and not and a desegregationist, integrationist, anti-racist. So he's he's a very complex dude. He's probably achieved a lot more in his political career than you're aware of. And the caricature of him as kind of weak is uh, is kind of off. So his very best. I, I really recommend the new new biography of uh, Jimmy Carter. All right, well, with this episode, I think this episode for me struggled with the fact that its best parts or some of its best parts were in the trailers. And I really, really wish that they hadn't hadn't spoiled some of them for me already, because I think I would have fallen out of my chair laughing if that they had been the first thing, if this had been the first time that I saw them, kind of like the the introduction to Keishon, for example. Hmm. All right, so my news, uh, my strange new take is actually going to be a Trek-related uh, take. I just finished Enterprise, uh, the series, and so that culminates in me starting, um, I think, TNG just before COVID hit, um, like Feb, Feb 2019, going through TNG, um, Deep Space Nine, Voyager and now Enterprise about a year later uh, and I've forgotten a lot of everything already but uh, it's been it's been nice and yeah Notch it's a, it's a decent show Enterprise it's not that bad it's it's okay um, so uh, um, I mean it, it did have its weak moments um, with too much decon and all that stuff <laughs> but um, it, it's not too bad. I wish they could have done a little bit more and run it a season or two more and see what happened. Um, with this episode, I kind of feel similar to Notch. Um, the stuff that stays with me is, is actually the, the Darmok Tanagra stuff, which I wish they would have done a lot more with instead of just, um, getting him out midway and, and like, you know, literally being a puppet, but um, I, I really like that TNG episode. It ties into so many other things that um, I've seen um, movie called Enemy Mine. There's an Enterprise episode also that relates to it, um, but maybe we can get into that later. Yeah. Has there been another episode of Star Trek where people have turned into puppets? Do you all know? Having having watched uh, the four major series, I can't think of one right now. But yeah, I'm not. Nothing's coming to mind for me. Okay. Yeah, I feel like if it would happen, it would probably be in uh, the animated series or original series. But um, we'll have to we'll have to examine the logs to see if that's ever happened. Okay. Well, the episode summary of uh, Keishan his eyes open it, from memory alpha is. Our Lower Deckers of Trouble boy bonding with Ensign Jet Manhaver, who has been assigned to Boimler's bunk and shift duties. Meanwhile, we get a glimpse of Boimler's life on the USS Titan, which is more intense than he thought it would be. All right, let's dive into talking about the story and writing here. I guess the first thing to talk about is the fact that we get a sonic shower scene with communal nudity and kind of strange, like, sonic censoring of all the, the bits as such. Sonic pixelation, huh? Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, but is it is it just supposed to like look like that when you're in the sonic shower? Like I couldn't tell if that was in universe blurriness due to the sonic shower or if it was censorship. They finally fixed the issue that I have with like communal showering. I have always I've never liked being nude in front of other people and like this is this is great. So you this just want to be pixelated? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, actual <laughs> pixelation in real in real time in real life. <laughs> Isn't uh, it, it reminds me of that Black Mirror episode where, like, to control the the the, the daughters, um, like, to be, have parental control on what your kid actually sees real time, you can like pixelate stuff. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that episode, but that, that, that no, came. No, I haven't. Yeah. I feel like Black Mirror would be a little too dark for me, so I haven't. I've never watched it. I've <laughs> yeah, only watched that like one episode that like won all the awards. Uh, yeah, it, it is really dark. Um, and then the other thing was, I guess, I guess sonic showers can hurt you because it is again um, sound. But I never really thought that could be, you know, could be. Yeah, I guess, I guess um, sonic warfare, right? Nosebleeds and all of that, scrambling, scrambling brains. So um, yeah, weird. I, the only thing I remember about, about Sonic showers, and this is again because of my recent um, Enterprise watch, was uh, uh, Ensign Hoshi and and her fears of fading away. There's an episode where she disappears, or she thinks she's disappearing, and she's in the shower. But that felt more like a mist. Or was that when Sonic showers were even ready? I'm not sure, but there was no water involved, so it felt like a mist. But uh, Interesting. Well, we we the, so the, the last time that I remember seeing Sonic showers for sure is when Balana is in the episode in the episode I think it's called Juggernaut, a Voyager, where Balana mm. is on that um, Malon ship, the one with all the toxic radiation, and she has to like fight off that like crew member who's been infected by the radiation, oh, yeah. and then she comes back all like grimy, and the final scene is just her standing in the Sonic shower, uh, kind of reflecting on the horror of the last like whatever hours or whatnot so interesting so it, it is and, and this one it's it looked very similar to that with like the the kind of uh the whole pattern on the walls and stuff so anyway well uh, initially i guess it'll just just to kind of get through the to, through the setup of this episode we have jet joining the, the lower deckers and instantly having a few like moments with Marin like friction moments of friction with Mariner which like you know in another episode it might have been a slightly slower build up but it's like the first second we see the two of them butting heads Kayshawn joins the crew uh and then we have the the collector story getting introduced and the lower deckers and Kayshawn beaming down to to the collector ship so uh what I I guess my big reflection on this is the is the fact that it looks like this like Captain Freeman being evaluated theme is going to stick with us through this season. It feels like that's going to be like a a, a pretty big moment of tension for her uh, or the cause of her tension as this season rolls forward. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I don't know if they're trying to uh, mirror a, um, a, a reality theme where people are, you know, good at what they do and, and, you know, they're, they're growing in their roles professionally and all that. But, but then there's this whole big bad world of even bigger, better people and the authority. And it looks like Freeman is 
like she's done well for herself she's a captain but her husband's an admiral right and so right. there's 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 uh, some some comparative complexes there um and and at the end of the last season she had sort of built this pact with with uh, manner which kind of fell apart in, in the first episode where hey let's um let's improve starfleet in in doing things that starfleet kind of puts under the carpet right so all, all that all that parts there but uh, yeah i don't know i mean i'm i'm okay with them trying that out as long as they don't um you know over index on it and like do it the way they've they've honestly not done the whole mariner um freeman mother daughter relationship but kind of failed crash and burn there i mean they need some reason for freeman to not just be a chill like relaxed captain there has to be something driving the humor here and that's essentially if she's like all nervous and like kind of you know unsure of her of her captaining abilities because of this evaluation that's what's what drives that so i think i, I just want to see how what more they do with it in this episode i feel like it was I, like that scene in the in the middle where ransom is like oh you should be checking in on the crew and you're not and she's like oh i don't micromanage i feel like that was just set up for what's going to happen later because it didn't really do much here um so but i i really do wish that that keishan introduction had not been in the trailer because that is just such a like a critical moment in uh in this episode and i feel like it's such a such an important driving point of the humor uh that like i also wonder how many people who haven't watched darmok and jalada tanagra or the episode darmok rather uh from tng will have understood that reference because they spent like maybe a second on it and then they move on like nobody really takes a moment to be like oh these tamarians who speak in metaphors and blah 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 so this is just one more time when it's like this is a show for star trek fans yeah probably yep you, you can't have uh, more explicit evidence of that the way they quickly pace through it you need to have known what what happened before or you'll, you you miss it and you're looking for other things um yeah i, I I I think they they could have not only slowed it down while he was still in human form but they could have maybe had him do more stuff through the episode. <laughs> um but yeah. Yeah, he doesn't really do much, does he? Bill, did you like that we have a Tamarian in the crew? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how like long it's going to stay funny. Um but I, I I am glad that they had like a universal translator or some way for him to basically talk normally, right? Because that would uh, like be really challenging after a, a scene or two if he really had to do metaphors the whole time. Um, it you know like many things in Star Trek, it doesn't really make sense if you think about it. Like the idea that Tamarians speak in metaphors, like you know, so Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. If you're a Tamarian, you have to get familiar with that story, with that precedent somehow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're like a three-year-old Tamarian, they must explain the story to you for, you know, for you to even be familiar with it. So it... And how would you do that with another metaphor, but you don't... Right, have... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They need like, you know, 
noun phrases you know (laughs) do you you think so so here here's my question do you think it's like a not quite like japanese has like different forms depending on if you're having a respectful conversation versus not or maybe maybe it's like the the high priests of the tumerians can speak normally but everybody else is taught to speak in metaphor because the priests tell you the stories and then you just talk you know what i mean yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know. We could we could headcanon it that way, but it, it also makes the Temerians seem like really dumb because don't you think they should be able to reason that like, oh, I'm sharing this common cultural reference point to try to communicate an idea, and mm-hmm. this person does not know my culture at all, right? You th- they they seem to be unable to <laughs> to you know conclude that. I mean, that's yeah. A they just keep going down the path there, and yeah, yeah. What are you saying, Rudy? Sorry, yeah, I was saying that's a glass half full look at, you know, them approaching their culture, uh, um, approaching contact with other um, civilizations. But if you look at it from a glass half empty standpoint, it's almost xenophobic. It's like, hey, I'm only going to talk to you in ways that are like introverted and and grounded in context that I, you know, I I know you don't have any idea about. So you, you, you learn my language. Um, or you learn my culture and that's the only way you can communicate with me, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. But so we, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that I mentioned in the strange new take that it was, I liked the TNG, uh, Darmok episode, maybe because I made, um, um, a tangential connect to, um, you know, completely alien cultures, finding common ground. And I mentioned, um, uh, a, a movie called Enemy Mine, where there's um, uh, two pilots who are, you know, from op- opposing warring races that get shot down and caught together on a planet. And there's an Enterprise episode called Dawn, I think, that yeah. that takes from it. So there was a little bit of that, um, and and that's why I like Darmok as well. Um, but yeah, Bill, you you totally ruined it for me. <laughs> It, it's showing that there's there's actually little logic that goes yeah into. yeah i mean it but that's okay i mean a lot of things in star trek don't really make sense and i think the the general point is like what if you encountered some people who communicated so differently from you right that it you right. know even if the details when you think about it are kind of questionable <clears throat> the so so the other thing that happens is we we get introduced to, to the collectors and and it, it, when, when that came up on the screen i was like this is such a familiar concept but I don't know if I've ever thought of them as like an organized like category of people. And sure enough, there's a, there's a page on Memory Alpha for the collectors. I don't know how old it is. And it talks about various people like, you know, who've come through DS9 and different other shows that just collect a bunch of stuff. So as a concept, I feel like we've, we've met this category of person before. But I think this is the first time that we've been organized in like a, okay, they're, they're like a guild and they collect like artifacts from across the galaxy, which makes perfect sense, right? People that that in the 1800s, that's how museums got their starts. It was a bunch of rich English people being like, "Ah, oh, you Indians seem to have this nice stuff. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me look lovely in my mansion's menagerie." And so they, they you know, they, they they took it back to uh to to put it into uh in, into their homes. Which, by the way, also, quick side note, the word museum comes from the Greek word museon, which was the part of each house where you displayed, it was like a little 
kind of rotunda type place where you displayed all the like small image sculptures and images of the gods and there's a lot more that i can say about that but uh anyway mm. it, just just know that it used to be a part of people's houses that's why the museum became from people who are collectors in their homes and then it became they donated those objects to larger museums that we have today all right well fascinating i feel like the whole the whole idea of this collector base though was essentially lower decks saying oh these references are too much for you you're not enjoying like how many references there are well we're gonna go like meta overload you with the references and if you are dear listener if you're if you're interested in figuring out all the easter eggs there is a long and i mean long list of all of the stuff at uh, this collector's that, that we see in this episode at this collector base and his name is kerner hawes and just to give you an idea, here's just a few things that, that, that are there. Khan Nunian Singh's necklace, Klingon sword, the Katarian game, the Korean Naiskos, the Lerpa, Logician's baseball cap, Mars Rover, Masaka Mas, Medusin Trout. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. So I uh I don't know why the like the the alien guy who's the head of the collector's guild in a New York accent, but that like strangely fit. Um, it seemed to work. So, uh, yeah. What did y'all think of the 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 collectors? It's just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm gonna keep doing like headcanon stuff, I it it you could actually imagine that it would make sense in like a post-scarcity society where like most things are basically free commodities that there are still some things that are unique or have some historical value or something and, and that would be like you know the way that people accumulate wealth mm. yeah because you you i mean no matter how easy it is to get food or to get whatever it's difficult to recreate Khan Noonien Singh's necklace that Khan Noonien Singh wore. Right, right. I mean, there's only, I mean, you could make like an exact replica of a Picasso, right? Like down to like the finest detail, but it's still not a Picasso, right? Mm. <laughs> like there's only one like original, uh, right. you know, and so, some, you know, some things will always be scarce like that. Have you all, have you all looked into the, the concept of fashion replicas and, and replica watches? No. on reddit have no. either of you there's a subreddit called fashion reps and there's another one called rep time and they're both places where people on reddit i think there's one for sneakers too they swap basically what we would call knockoff stuff but they are very like like please call it replicas we are we're not using knockoffs these are like like you know they, they'll sell like a uh a $5,000 replica of an $80,000 watch, you know? So it's, I mean, we would call them knockoff. It's a nerd. It's, it's a replica. It's been built with care to like mimic <laughs> the object, which is exact. I mean, it's a similar concept to this, right? Like people want to flex. They want to wear the nice stuff. They want to have the name or the like, or I am more sense. I am more kind of sympathetic to the people who want the style of product. So you want to look like you want to wear a shoe that looks like Yeezy's. And what's the easiest way to do that? Well, get the knockoff Yeezys. Like they look exactly like that, you know. Um, so, uh, it, it, but but it's it's a deep wormhole into like 
kind of the the human vanity to look at like replica fashion communities and and study how people kind of justify to themselves that like oh we're we're, we're better than those people who buy the like five dollar rolexes on the street like that that's not what we do here please <laughs> um, yeah and, and a rookie question from me i mean this is this is this is the same set of people who stole data right and made him in tng is that is that the is that what we mean by collectors um and and then held him against his will or is is it a broader concept because that that had a strong thread of Ill, illegal um where was it in the most toys yeah that, that i think that's that's the episode um and so my my question was like so what part of this is legal versus gray versus not legal because it looked like i didn't see anybody alive that was being um collected but they, they were trying to collect um well they, i think mariner was trying to protect rutherford from being collected where that guy's like oh you have cyborg implants are you unique (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i don't know how that how that works out and then there were some gelatinous creatures or stuff that fell to the ground when stuff broke up and then they just sort of became mush so i don't know if they were alive and i mean it it did have the like uh you know the veneer not a veneer uh it had like that like vibe of kind of uh morally ambiguous activities Ooh. which is why this, they called in starfleet where they were because the guy the guy the chairman siggy of the collector's guild was like yeah some of the stuff might be dangerous too there might be like weapons that need to be disposed of mm. so it it does seem a little like morally not so great uh when you when you get deep into it uh, well, anyway, as as our crew go through the collector base, Keishan gets turned into a puppet, coming soon to a Toys R Us near you. Uh, and you have, no, literally, like this is like exactly the kind of merchandising Star Trek can do. Like, we have a Keishan plushie that's going to come out probably. Uh, and then you have Jet and Mariner having a fight, which is the first time someone actually calls Mariner on her shit and like proposes better ideas. And there's some consequences to her intransigence. So, so we have the two of them fight, and then Tendi and Rutherford basically save the day. Yeah. It's, any um, any reflections on the uh, on that part of the episode? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was actually a, a, a pretty strong way to use a plot to drive character development. So, you know, our heroes are thrown into this set of circumstances where, um, you know. Mariner and Jet are forced to actually like reconcile and work together mm-hmm. to to kind of overcome the the situation they're faced with, and then in that process they actually you know put Tendi and Rutherford in a situation to to step up and and lead and kind of you know put push their boundaries, uh, which they do. So I mean, it's I, I don't want to overstate this. It, it's this. It, it's not Tolstoy or anything, but you know, I thought it was a, you know, I mean, a pretty good way to drive some character development. <clears throat> I thought I thought Jet fit in with the episode or you know our regulars better than I expected. Like I, I there was there was very little friction for me in in mm-hmm. his presence in the episode. I mean, his approach to everything was the uh, antithesis or, or the opposite of what Mariner does, right? Play it by the book, but not be 
afraid and and he he's he comes across as somebody who's you know like a boimler but not like doing what they're doing because they're afraid and 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 their risk appetite is is grounded in the fact that they're not a strong person it's just because they they like to go through a a planned approach a, a learn um iterate before doing things kind of by the book approach right which which came out pretty well which is totally the opposite of mariner um right from uh you know uh her being crazy and in the previous episode i think around you know escaping from kardashian kardashian prisons and and all that so yeah it's it's stable character and i think even more broadly between the four of them right it it, it serves up an, an, a very very interesting and I, i'm sure common uh, professional setup where there's where organizations are more and more flat right leadership is is not appointed it is through grown credibility and and you know thought leadership and the ability to build a brand and so there's certain set of people you can call them in the old world we call them type a's or extroverts or what not who are very out there on how they want to do stuff others are happy to just listen in and and they may they may think different things but they don't convey them and if somebody takes the lead then there's there's the uh, added um added responsibility of following through on that lead right you you you're trying to give a group a direction so therefore you own it right mm-hmm. and you own the failure as well so i think i i don't know if lds writers went into that level of detail but i can see that similar setup being replicated week on week in all kinds of professional organizations globally especially if they're they're flat ish more flatter than hierarchy driven middle management it was i mean the situation was created because kayshawn got zapped so it was it was That's one true. where um informal leadership came up against kind of the 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 the, the as you were saying the lack of a structure um created to what happens to the away team after the the formal leader gets taken away. I did enjoy the fact that Dendy science is what saves the day. I mean, it's a total MacGuffin. Like, oh look, these bones turn into acid. <laughs> but that that's like totally something from TOS, you know, straight yep. up. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's just like effortlessly cuts through a massive metal bulkhead. Also, let's be honest. Mike McMahon was sitting somewhere. A Roomba hit his leg, and he was like. That's gonna go in the plot now. <laughs> like, I mean, those were Roombas. They were literally flying Roombas, and uh, so, so, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I, I gotta say, I mean, for me personally, this whole collector-based plot. I guess I was kind of struck by the so what of it all. Um, like, mm. where, where does it take us to to have this? I guess. Mariner's humility maybe is one one area and maybe we can touch on this when we talk about her character development in this episode so I'd say that's maybe it or maybe maybe it also like sets us up for when Boimler returns later that the jet has become part of the crew so there's a little bit of tension of like what's gonna happen because of that but it you know Keishon doesn't get a lot of time to like do stuff you see him being a little heroic at one point, but like there's not a lot of like you don't get anywhere. I feel like much <laughs> through that uh, yeah, whole sequence. I, I, 
I wonder if I mean maybe this has been shown in the teaser for the next episode or whatnot, but I don't I I didn't even know at the end of this at least I don't remember if I knew if Jet or Keshan are our primary characters going into the rest of the season or characters that will show up again. Yep, he is. He's gonna be there. He's the security officer of Cerritos now, so like no idea if he'll also get uh, he'll end up like Shaxes, but he's he's gonna be around for at least a little while. And and his predecessor was not really lower who, who are you talking about now sorry you're talking about jet right uh-huh right so what about keshan who's supposed to be um isn't keshan supposed to be the replacement for the majority 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 security right uh, sorry i was i was talking about uh keshan i i was okay. talking about jet when i said that he you know he, he his presence in this episode drives the um tension for boimler later but Keishan is going to be part... I meant Keishan when I said he's going to be part of the, the, the season yeah. going forward. That's been established in interviews that he's going to be around for a little while at least. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if... I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out for both of them going forward um, as characters. It'll be it'll be interesting to see um, how, they, how they manage the... the introduction of a new character at the lower decks level who is stable is almost like a better version of boimler without his um his unpredictability so we'll see how that goes yeah yeah well while we take a break over here we'll come back and talk a little bit more about uh the boimler part of this episode and character development we are strong we take your mind it is all mine now! Stay strong, brother. We miners shall overcome. Dude, you're clearly Starfleet. Your hands are super soft and clean. Uh, no, I'm a miner with a heart of gold. And I have dad issues. Okay, Packlet shuttle's unattended. Now's our chance! Hold it, we got a lead over there. We have to stun him or he could sound the alarm. But our orders are to we avoid- We can't leave anything up to chance. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, pal, but this ain't your lucky... Huh? It's a pile of snacks. Hey! Those miners are stealing our snacks! Quick Fall back to that tunnel! Welcome back to Strange New Takes. During the last episode of our podcast, during the break, we had Kirk on the mount. Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing <laughs> a mountain? That has been stuck in my head for a solid week now. It's a classic. It is. To hug the mountain, to embrace <laughs> that mountain. Well, I, I I gotta watch that interview now. I don't know why he's I like for me I like I only heard the audio at first, so I thought they'd like splice together a bunch of words. No, he says to make love <laughs> to that mountain. Like he says that. Why? I don't get it. The word that stuck with me is envelop. Envelop the mountain. <laughs> And I think I used it as a reference somewhere else during the week and it didn't have any, you know, <laughs> make love aspect to it. Tough uh, young guys, sinewy bodies. Uh, yeah, I. it's just, man, it's great. It's great stuff. Kirk on the Mount, y'all. Well, anyway, getting back to this episode, the Boimler part of this episode was not at all what I expected. It was fantastic. I... Like, we had all speculated, other podcasts had speculated that basically Boimler was going to, like, flunk out of the Titan. And that's not what happens. At all. 
Yeah, I thought it was very, very well done and very clever. And, um, you know, the just starting at the beginning, you know, his crew on the Titan, they're great. I mean, just a bunch of tropes and cliches. And there's the guy with the kind of working class English accent and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and then my favorite, the like, you know, so they, they go on this mission, they get into trouble and, and Boimler takes a stand, right? They're all ready to die, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Boimler takes a stand and he says, no, that's not why I got into Starfleet. And then, uh, you know, one of the other teammates says, well, I got into Starfleet to study plants or something. And, <laughs> and, the, and then the, the, the jock is like, I got into Starfleet because I really like beaming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that's pretty great. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I think the thing that was completely unexpected is we all think, like, I feel like the the tropey thing is the earnestness of the character getting him into trouble. And Boimler's earnestness doesn't get him into trouble this episode. He's just earnest and the people around him deal with it. Like in the shuttlecraft where he's like, oh, the D? And like he talks about all the cool stuff Riker did, like getting into his string quartets and all that stuff. They insurrected, which by the way, that was the E, not the D. Which uh, I think I think the episode actually notes that because they probably like got that mistake after the audio had been recorded. So you see one of the characters, the like eyebrow goes up because it was the E. So I'll give oh. Lord X credit there for catching their own mistake. But you know, even with the minor, it's like. Hello, fellow miner, and the other miner's like, you're clearly Starfleet. And he's not like, hello, Backlands, you're Starfleet. But he's just like, you're Starfleet. That's okay. Like, we're going to let you help us. (laughs) Yeah, I think the reference is soft hands, right? Which kind (laughs) of, it's real diss to Starfleet. (laughs) Like, the force of of the military of, like, dozens of planets and soft hands. (laughs) (laughs) But you also, I mean, the, the other thing is now apparently the, the backlids are gamers. They love their cheese balls and pretzel sticks. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, it's snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I I also enjoyed the backlids being like, break down the door. The guy comes up with the saw and he just like smashes the door with right, the saw. Right. Yeah, he's like, hit the door with the saw. <laughs> Is this why they're sticking with the Packlets? Because they don't really seem like a major um, antagonist species to me uh, going long term. But it's perfect. (laughs) For for Lower Decks, it's perfect, right? But isn't it... In the the Next Gen episode, don't the Packlets actually turn out to be quite clever? Right? The stupid thing is kind of an act. Uh, I don't... think so i think at the end of the episode they're still kind of confused about some stuff let me let me pull this up real quick if they did uh, we don't give them credit for it here the three of us because we don't remember them being clever right it, it's so it's a tng episode samaritarian snare or uh samaritan snare until i haven't read my bible recently uh but i think at the at the end of that episode they're just they're they're shown to be kind of like conniving and like trying to get Jordy, but they're not they're still shown to be kind of morons like they're mm-hmm. just they just they they know what they want they just can't like log, logic their way through like the the best way to get there so okay. but yeah to your, i mean to your point bill they are perfect for this show because they just do hilarious things but they can be like evil 
Yeah. Like they, you don't explain why they're evil. They, they're just evil, but they do hilarious <laughs> things in pursuit of their evilness. Uh, I wish that this show hadn't referenced the Thomas Riker thing right before it happens to Boiler. Like, I, I feel like if it had been unexpected, I would have just been like, I would have appreciated that a little bit more. This is just a minor gripe. But I like the second he mentioned, like, oh, I remember this from when it happened to like Riker and whatever. I, I knew what was going to happen, like that there were going to be two bundlers. And that was, uh, but I think, it, I still think it was a very, very elegant solution to their problem of, of how to send Boimler back to the Cerritos. And now we get to have like evil Boimler, William Boimler. So we, we, yeah, we but is get... he, is he going to be evil though? It, just, it almost feels like just a foothold to, to always have a plot B, Titan plot B through LDS going forward where they can show the other Boimler and and then have these crossover episodes and they sometimes mix up the Boimlers or who knows. Well, it's it's basically Boimler had to like fend for himself for what seems like the first time and he escaped and he succeeded. So basically the Boimler who came in with the shuttle pod has now learned that he is like badass when he needs to be. He, he doesn't need other people's help. He can like get himself out of a tough situation so he's got more confidence and more, which which you see because he doesn't like step forward when the Cerritos Boimler steps forward, like go back and get demoted. And then when, mm. when the Romulan Ale, Riker gets the Romulan Ale out, he's like, he's like, do you like Romulan Ale? Boimler's like, William Boimler's like, yeah, sure, I, I can, I can learn to. Which isn't the way like our Boimler has been doing things. He's afraid of everything. Mm. So... Uh, that that's how I justify that like this other Boimler is going to end up different. I mean, they have to diverge in some way, just from like a writing perspective, right? To keep it interesting. And they're going to have to fight at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and face one another. So they um, should um, they should change the hair color of one of them though, just to differentiate or something like that. <laughs> they should, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe a scar or something. Oh, it's always scar. called the scar, yeah. Or, or there's some people speculating that it might be like Mirror Boimler taking the opportunity to like show up and uh, confuse people. So we might get the goatee if that happens. Oh, that would be oh. good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, I I liked his return to the Cerritos. The only other thing I'll say about the storyline is that we finally got the explanation for why there are rank inconsistencies all over Star Trek and people's pips keep changing around. Apparently, it's delicious street <laughs> corn. <laughs> uh, so, that uh, is a very corny explanation, if you will. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so, I thought uh, it worked pretty well, too. I don't know. I, I like the the new pips showing up i remember that from the emergency command hologram right like that wasn't that was street, great. street corn showing <laughs> materializing for them yeah. but, um, I, go ahead bill so um in that scene when boimler comes back and mariner is like ribbing him and they're all happy to have him back and they ask him how the titan was and he's like, oh, well, you know, I mean, it was just a bunch of like complex characters and, you know, really serialized plots that, you know, ended with like awesome mind blowing reveals. Not that good. I mean, tell me more about this puppet ray. And, <laughs> it, you know, so it's I mean, I thought that was very uh, like, you know, on point. And, you know, it's like the average Star Trek fans reaction to like new Star Trek. 
right? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> like the, the, the complex characters and character development and like, you know, complex serialized like plot lines uh, don't like it so much, you know? <laughs> Is there a yeah. possibility that um, the other Boimler actually came back? The, the, the one that had the Romulan ale got intoxicated and passed out and um, I don't know. Um, there was a Boimler switch. Is that a possibility already? I don't know. I'm just. I'm just going. I'm. Go, I'm going out on a limb with. Um, which Boimler is which, and we will always not be sure in every episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean. I mean. It's. It's the classic thing that happens when there are clones is that they come in like, uh, you know, switch. Which, by the way, we didn't mention. One of the so so during the collector base scenes, you would have seen a massive human skeleton with a Starfleet uniform on. That's Spock too from the uh, episode of the uh, animated series called um, uh, what was it called now? The Infinite Vulcan, where this like very large species clones Spock to make him a a peacekeeper. So apparently someone killed Spock too, sadly. So too bad. Oh, so that that skeleton was Vulcan? Yeah. I oh. mean it was cloned Vulcan, like enlarged. So uh yeah. Well, anyway, let's talk about really quick talk about the character development. I don't know how much more there is to discuss on this front, but real quick, Mariner, I think I think as I said before, this is one of the first episodes where she actually has some consequences for the for her actions. She's not shown to be the like all powerful one who knows everything and fixes all the problems. We actually have um someone who is smarter and better than her at things. Yeah, and and, and basically a counterweight, right? So nobody really knows if they would have, you know, succeeded um, faster if they had taken her approach and whatever gone to that to the beast of the belly of the beast is what she um, mm-hmm. uh, said, right? And and um, disabled all the defense systems. But it's good to have a counterweight. Um, I know, Notch. Um, you said it. It um, it gives it it gave more light to other characters in terms of solving stuff through science uh, i think mariner has that in her right like she's she's technically so you know the way they've characterized her even through the past season is somebody who's like who could make her way onto the titan or any uh you know good ship because she has all the skills it's just like she likes to be here um but We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Maybe there is. Um, I know. I know. In previous episodes, you were always looking for romantic angles, Notch. So maybe there's <laughs> a romantic angle here. But through the opposition between her and Jet, there is. Um, I don't know. Maybe like a Boimler triangle. Um, I I really don't think they're going to do a Boimler Mariner romance. I think those two are just <laughs> like they're they're meant to just be kind of lovable foils for one another like brother and sister kind of situation um i really at least i really hope they don't because I, I don't think that's necessary in this series to be perfectly honest for me but i do think that maybe chet could uh, fulfill that if uh if they do or uh, or maybe tendy uh takes to jet more than um uh, yeah who knows yeah 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 we'll, we'll see i think i think i, I I was kind of surprised is the wrong word, but like I did notice that we didn't get much 
of anything between Tendi and Rutherford in this episode. Just in general, their interactions were minimal and their interactions with the rest of everybody. We just got Tendi just got a few lines here and there and then they um, she scienced them out of the problem. We we did get a bunch of stuff for Boimler, of course, like we've discussed. And I think the really the really key thing I think we need to internalize is that he is not totally ineffective. Like Boimler is not a complete loser. Like he he knows some stuff. Like he he can fix situations. He can like influence people. He's not somebody who's a complete fuck up. Yeah, and or the other fears that he had on the Titan are not like um very intellectually smart. They're just sort of like Taipei go-getters, but but are just brazen about wanting to die at a hat's notice. <laughs> Don't really think through <laughs> stuff. Um, but and it maybe it's just like a a mirror to the to the people watching, as in right. If you're intimidated by a bunch of like people who you think are super cool and really good at what they do, and you're never gonna be in that group, maybe they're just kind of there. You you could you could make your own. Um, you could make your own way into that kind of um, clique or whatever, right? In that kind of yeah. a level without having to, um, without, yeah. It's, they're not as smart as you think they could be, so, yeah. I just think there's something elegant also about Boimler choosing Will Riker's name as his own name. The, the clone Boimler. <laughs> William Boimler. Well, that's because he's, <laughs> he's just a, he's a devotee. Yeah. Well, also, also, real quick before while I'm on Riker, I just enjoyed the the complete leaning into Riker's like Riker to bridge, give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually and, well done. Thank you for bringing that up. Right. I, I mean, also, by the way, I didn't hear this, but somebody else said that he said somewhere, "Great job, everyone. That's a wrap," which is, of course, what he says as a director throughout Star Trek. So that's a little fourth wall breaking. Also, I've heard this tune before, like just leaning into the musical. Is it in, sorry, I'm confusing my episodes. Maybe is it in this episode where he references being on the holodeck for Enterprise or is it the previous one? Um, I think that was like the the episode, the final episode of season one of oh, wow. Holodex, if I'm not mistaken. Or, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, like that's where he makes that reference. He's mocking it a little bit. Yeah, okay, okay. Got oh, it. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I I think we learned a lot about Jet, but that he's by the book and, and a capable leader. That's about it. Um, for Keishan, I've just written a bunch of things like Seven of Nine when she joined the cast. Lindsay Ballard when she died right away. Ransom <laughs> when he hits on people. Like... We, why why did we have to leave him be like hitting on people at the end? I thought that was like very unnecessary. Like, you know. Yeah, it's like pouring salt on my wound of having him removed midway tragically and not having more depth to what's going on there and maybe explaining it a little bit. Um yeah, I hope they don't ruin him through the rest of the uh, the season. Um also something to notice, right? He was allowed to carry um I mean, now it's like what Ensign Roladen and um, Worf, and now Kishan being able to carry some kind of cultural paraphernalia outside of Starfleet uniform um, specs, right? That knife thing, which was important mm-hmm. in the original Darmok and Jalad thing, right? So, 
Um, yeah. He he is he has dwarf like characteristics in that way. Yeah. yeah. Knife yeah. sash. Yeah, his, yeah. his sash. He's <laughs> <laughs> very very masculine baby blue sash. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Keishan as we go forward. Like I think I think there's a lot of potential there, but they've they've got to walk that fine line of like not over indexing on the on the metaphors, but also using it just enough so it's funny. You know? Yeah. I thought they did well this time. I yeah. thought they pulled it off. Yeah. And, I, and, and I, he's heroic. He's try he like boinks Tendi out of the like uh laser. Right, right. So so we'll see. Also get get your get your Keishan puppet, puppet plushies. Uh well there's not much more that happens. All I'll say is that the counts the bird counselor shows up and it's Paul F. Tompkins who plays the bird counselor. Uh so that's kinda cool. Mm. He apparently really wants people to leave data alone, which is great. Uh, if if we were wrapping up, I had one more point to make and see what you guys sure. thought about uh, the Galus fornication helmet, which caused the problem. <laughs> hey man, always use protection is all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> like, uh... and, and why that co- collector guild leader wanted that specifically um, amongst all the other things. Um, but yeah, that was that was interesting and funny. It had all that. It had the it had the cuts. It had the Klingon cuts of a like a weapon, I guess. So. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. It was. It, it. I. I. I don't want to know why there's blood on it. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well, with that, why don't we switch to some strange? Why don't we switch to some strange new ratings and give Keishan his eyes open a rating? Who wants to stick their neck out? I'll go. Uh, I really like this. I'm gonna give it uh, eight out of ten. <clears throat> I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was just funny, tight story, engaging to watch. I liked it. I will go ahead and give it um, uh, 7.5 transporter clone Boimlers out of 10. <laughs> um, a, a lot of what you said, um, Bill, in terms of uh, witty one-liners um, touching back on on um, the Trek universe. I, I, I did feel, though, that it... it it introduced new characters, which is great, but it didn't quite develop them in a level where we, um, or at least Keishan in a level where we see them playing a, a nice role going forward. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a little meh to me, but yeah, 7.5 out of 10. I'm going to go with a 6.5 this episode. I, I was just left being like, you know, again, like, uh, what what do we get here? And it's good, but I don't know if I would be drawn to kind of going back and revisiting it a whole lot because I think the jokes, like the first the the first episode of the season, I felt like a lot of the jokes I could like afford to hear again and I would laugh. And this one, I'm gonna need some time before the the Keishan stuff becomes fresh again for me. Uh, and and so I th- I think I'll I'll revisit it in a lot longer from now. Six point five sounds about right. All right, with that. Thanks, Rudy, and thanks, Bill, for uh, for joining me today. Talk Star Trek. It's always fun to to watch a new Trek episode, get to discuss it with your friends, and I, I feel very lucky that we get to do this every week. Thanks, Notch. Same Thank here. You. Yeah, thanks, Notch. Yeah.
Yeah, of course. Well, Emily, Adam, Dinah, and Max, wherever y'all are, I hope y'all are having a great weekend. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us for another episode of Strange New Takes. We always appreciate when you tell your friends to listen to this podcast, so please help us out with that if you can. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for our theme music. Uh, we always love to hear him strumming away at the guitar with the Klingon theme. And a uh, special thanks to the miners. You know, they're, they're made out to be just dumb fucks who are like gonna blow Starfleet's cover uh, when they figure out that the you know that the guy next to them has soft hands. But apparently not. They're smart enough to be like, these guys are gonna help us out with these uh, pack-led invaders. So we're just gonna let this happen and let the plot play out. And uh, I appreciate that about the miners. So, all right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.